that I want to finish this week that I didn't get to finish last week. If you were here last week, you know we started teaching uh, how to survive a snake bite. Which if you weren't here last week, that may not make a whole lot of sense to you. So I'm going to give you uh, about a five minute uh, recap of last week. Just so that we can all be on the same page as we go forward. I do have a video, the same video I showed last week. I want to show, again, if you saw the video last week and you didn't care for it, you didn't like it. Then I encourage you to just turn away, cover your eyes because there is uh, some gross thumbs. Uh, people that got bitten by a snake bite. The reason that I show you this video is not to gross you out. I show you the video to show you what was going on back then and, and the, the severity of the situation that snake bites are a horrible way to die. Most people don't like snakes. If I wanted to really uh, go you know, extreme this morning, if I were to say that I put a live snake under one of your chairs, y'all would all really start looking and start being like, I know he didn't. I know that preacher did put a live snake under my chair but but if if there was a snake amongst your your midst you would move if I threw a snake to you you would react and yet lots of times we read things in the Bible and we think oh yeah they were bitten by snakes no this was this was a real event and it was it was a major happening we had a really a tragic event in Boston just this past week you know the guy that uh, those guys set off those two bombs and killed three people Boston has a population of 625,000 people and, and they, it was on every news site every every person was interested in what was happening every I mean we were tuned in we're eating lunch and we're asking can you turn the tv up everybody wants to know and yet three people died tragically there here in this story you have a city of three million people not six hundred thousand and it says that many of them died this way so so you see what happens with this event with people bleeding and all of the hysteria and three people dying if you were to multiply that event times a hundred thousand possibly i mean thousands and thousands of people that are being bit and attacked by these snakes with no hospitals and no anti-venom and and no help in sight. It was, I can assure you, it was mayhem. So I like to, to get you to use your imagination and just put yourself there so that you can value the remedy and you can value the cure and you can value the prescription that God gives because in the midst of chaos, he has a way of reaching his people and helping his people. So I want to show you this video, give your attention to the screen. It's only about 30 seconds. They're small, they're wiry. It's got fangs that shoot out the side of its mouth. I've been bitten three times. The pain kicked in and I was a mess. You could hear him screaming in agony. It causes this digestive process. I just had to watch my thumb be consumed from the inside out. There is no anti-venom. It looked like something out of science fiction. It looks like a space alien slug. And this is the worst case scenario. There was no way to stop Snake it. Snake bite without medicine. So, amen. Not much to that video. I could have, I, trust me whenever I tell you, you go on YouTube and type in I Was Bitten, which is a show that's on Discovery that I love. I think it's awesome. I think it's fascinating. Shows people that get bitten by jellyfish and all this kind of stuff. But primarily they deal with snake bites. And I tried to choose one that was less gruesome, that this guy got bitten on the thumb. And you can imagine if he got bitten by the thumb, it just looked like just a couple of little holes in his thumb. And if he was really ignorant, he probably could have thought, oh, there's not much there. There's not much 
to it, it's not going to really matter. But within a matter of, of time, it affected his whole body. And many times that's the way that the devil operates. He'll, he'll think uh, through addiction or through, through just little things. He'll hit you with something and you think, oh, well, that won't matter if I do that. Or that won't matter if I say that. Or that won't matter if I go there. Or that won't matter if I hang out with them. And from the surface, it seems like not a big deal. But how many of y'all know whenever addiction hits you or whenever disease hits you or whenever something hits you, he, he tries to play it off like it's not going to affect you that much. But it does affect you. It, it absolutely, it has the power to destroy. But he's a deceiver. We find him slithering up to Adam and Eve and saying, did God really say that? And he's challenging the word of God. Did God's word really say that? I think he meant this. And he just slips and slides through people's hearts and families and lives and society. And he just infects and he bites and he he injects uh, the venom of past, of our past and of our pains and of suffering and of all these things. He just wants to just just bite you. But praise God, we have a cure. So I want to read the cure in the Old Testament. We're talking about Jesus, our master physician, that there's seven redemptive names of God in the Old Testament. Jehovah Rapha means our God, our healer, that one of the ways that they addressed God in the Old Testament was, you are our healer. You are Jehovah Rafi, and then there's Jehovah C, uh, uh, Sitkanu and Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Shalom. And they didn't just see God as God. They saw him for who he, he was. And lots of times in the New Testament, we just see him as our ticket to heaven. But no, he's still Jehovah Rapha. He's still Jehovah Jireh, which means our provider. He's still Jehovah Shalom, which means our peace. He is still, he wants to still be these things to us. And we're focusing on Jehovah Rapha our healer and my wife made mention of this last week we're not just talking about physical healing that you could have depression or oppression or addiction or or however uh, you feel like you've been bitten or attacked or you know sometimes uh, he'll he'll pin your past on you as being dependent upon well you've always been uh, you know broke and you've always been from this side of the track so this is always going to be your lot in life and he tries to just infect you with that but you have to find the prescription that God gives you Follow that prescription. Listen, if, if I gave you a prescription or if your doctor gave you a prescription because you had some ailment, you would read the prescription and you would do what the prescription said to do. Why? Well, because you're trusting in that prescription to actually do something for you. And here God gives us an Old Testament prescription. The reason I say Old Testament is because I like to show you the old and the new. And this is an Old Testament prescription for healing, but it still applies today. Because everything in the Old Testament points us to Jesus. Jesus was the rock in the Old Testament. He was the man in the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament always points us to Jesus. And we're going to see that again this morning. So I'm going to read Numbers chapter 21. And I'm only going to read six verses. How many of the Lord six verses of your attention? Six, that's it. So verse 4 in chapter 21 of the book of Numbers it says, now they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea. And they wanted to go around the land of Edom. And, to the, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. The Amplified Version says that they became depressed. They became discouraged because of the trials 
of the way. And just to tell you real quick what's going on here, if you weren't here last week, the children of Israel have been wandering in the desert for 39 years. It's hot, there's cactus, a lot of rocks, a lot of sand. Uh, That's their wilderness, and they've been in it for 39 years. And God told them, you're going to be here for 40 years. So they've got 39 behind them, and they've only got one to go. And after this year, they're going to be in the promised land. And they're so close, they can taste it. They're tired of being in the wilderness. But there's one nation called the nation of Edom. And they ask the king of Edom, they say, can we cut through your nation so that we can get where God wants us to be? And sometimes that's us. We like to try to shortcut. God wants us to go this way. And we say, no, I don't really want to go that way. I just want to skip all of that stuff and just arrive where you want me to be. I I want to be right now at that place. I don't want to go. But, But you know, it's good to go through some stuff because that's where your character is developed. And that's where your patience is developed. And that's where your love is developed that a lot of times talent will bring you where your character won't keep you you know what I mean so 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 they're wanting to just get over there and they asked the king of Edom they said can we pass through and the king says no you cannot pass through to get over here so they became very discouraged have you ever been discouraged in God's timing have you ever been discouraged in God's plan you say, man, I'm just really discouraged. This is not happening. I thought I would be there by now. I didn't know I was going to have to go through all of this. They became depressed. Have I mean, you ever been depressed? Well, say it well. It says, of the trials of the way, verse 5 says, and the people spoke against God. They started to complain against God and about Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread and and neither is there any water. And we loathe this light, contemptible, unsustainable manna. This is in the Amplified. Verse 6, I'll go back because I know y'all don't have the Amplified. Verse 6 says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. How many is many out of 3 million? I don't know. Is it 20,000? Is it 100,000? How many of them are affected here? The Bible doesn't say, but it says many of them died. Verse 7 says, Therefore the people came to Moses, and they said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. He put it on a pole. And so it was that if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. I love this in the Amplified. Verse 9, it says, Moses made a serpent of bronze. He put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man when he looked at the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze he lived whenever he looked attentively absorbently expectantly he lived 
So you can see here, they ask Moses, they say, Moses, take the serpents, ask God if he'll take them away. And you notice God doesn't take away the, the obstacle. He doesn't take away the bad circumstances. He doesn't take away the pain. He doesn't remove them out of the situation, but he gives them a way to deal with it. Because how many of y'all know that? We talked about this some last week. We live amongst serpents. We live in a place that's filled with bacteria and germs and violence. We're surrounded by... By serpents. They're all around us. I mean, they're, they're on the counters of your sink. They're, they're everywhere. And, and, and we live amongst them. But there's things that we do that attract these things to us. So I want, I told you, I, I had six things that I wanted to give you how to survive a snake bite. The first one that I gave you last week was if you've ever been bitten by a, a, a snake, I have a kit here. And this, this little kit here, I actually carry. This is my personally. I didn't buy it just for today. This is, this is mine. If I go hunting, I carry this kit. Uh, because if you've been bitten by the snake in the woods, there's certain things that they want you to do. But the best thing that you could possibly do is, is to avoid the snakes. In other words, don't, don't mess with the snakes. I remember times whenever I would be hunting and, and I would be walking and then a snake would there. I remember one time particularly, I almost stepped on this thing. If I would have stepped on it, immediately the, the wheels in your head start turning like, what would I have done? I'm miles from my truck and this moccasin, I don't know if I would have made it. I don't know if I would have survived because out there, uh, you, you, you have to have a plan. So this is the plan that they give you. On the inside of this thing, it has directions on what to do if you're bitten by a snake. Here's the directions, and I'm not going to go. I went through some of this last week. And it's got a razor blade in there, and I'll go through some of that. They'll tell you what to do. But the best thing you can do is not get bitten. How many of y'all know that's right? Some people like to play with snakes and they like to wrangle them. How do you wrangle a snake? I don't know. But apparently you can wrangle them or you can try to charm them. You know, if you like, you got the little, the India people, right? I mean, they're messing with these cobras. So, and, and listen, there, there are people in the world today that like to try to charm the snake and they like to try to wrangle the snake and they don't see the snake as being dangerous. But listen, the reality is the best thing you can do is not get bitten. And the reason that these people were bitten is it's very clear. They became depressed. They became sad. They became uh, upset. So their mind, their thoughts caused them to, to get down. And then, but not just their thoughts, they connected their mouth to their thoughts and they're speaking. They started saying, we're going to die in the wilderness. How many of y'all know? Many of them got exactly what they said that they were going to get. And then they said, our appetites. So, so I talked to you last week, if you don't want to get bitten by a snake, you have to control your thoughts and you have to control your words and you have to control your appetites. That many times we like to eat and do what the world wants to do. And yet, God, God warns us against that. But if you are bitten, the first thing that you have to do, does anybody remember what you have to do the first thing if you are bitten? Don't panic. This little thing it tells you here, the first step you do is don't panic. It's tough not to panic. I can tell you, I almost got bit by a snake and I panicked. If I threw a snake in, in Miss Jemison's lap right now, I promise you she would squeal. And her big strong husband, if I threw a snake in his lap, he would probably squeal. I squeal at a roach. You know, so if you throw a snake on somebody, they're going to get upset. But the first thing they tell you to do in here is calm down. 
Don't get upset. Don't panic. The word of God tells us 360 times, 65 times to fear not. That even though uh, the calamity and bad things happen. How many of y'all know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Daniel and the lion's den? All these people are facing death. And yet they have to find a way to believe God, to trust him, and not to panic. Number two, does anybody remember the second way? What you got to do? You got to get the poison out. They give you here a little razor blade. And I'm not going to take it out, but they want you to cut from hole to hole. They want you to slice from one fang hole to the other fang hole after you've put a tourniquet on. And they want you to use this suction cup here and stick it to your skin to suck all the poison out. That, 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 that or they actually tell you, if you have a friend with you, they could uh, perform the sucking of the poison out for you. Anybody want to volunteer? Right, good friend. It does say good friend. No, nobody wants to do that. So the second thing you got to do is get the poison out. The same thing happens here is they are bitten and they have to get the poison out. How did they get the poison out? They repented. They went to God and they said, listen, God, we've been thinking bad thoughts about you. You aren't going to take care of us. We've been doubting you. We've been talking bad about you. We've been saying this stuff. We've been doubting you. We repent. We ask you to remove from us these things that are in our heart. The, the, the next thing that you have to do, does anybody remember that one? You got it right in front of you. I didn't get to this one last week, and that is you've got to find somebody to help you. You have to seek some professional attention. I mean, you have to find somebody that knows how to deal with these snake bites. These, this, this show that I showed you, uh, you, you know, they, they're interviewing these doctors that specialize in dealing with venom. They specialize and they have anti-venoms of all these different snakes. And if you're bitten or if you're infected with, with, these, uh, with these serpents, you go to them and they treat you. And here they had to get somebody to help them when they were bitten. And I want to tell you this morning, there's no shame in you needing help if you've been bitten. If life has bitten you or if the devil's bitten you or if your past has bitten you, if, if circumstances, whatever has bitten you, there's no shame or there's no, uh, there, there, there's no reason for you to feel like I don't need help. No, they went to Moses and they said, Moses, we've been bitten and we need help. And they knew that Moses knew how to reach heaven. Every one of you in here need to have some people in your life that know how to reach heaven. You need some friends in your life that know how to, to get out of this world and get into God's world that will pray with you, pray for you, and, and will help you. In the New Testament, we have the story of the man that's crippled. And, and he's crippled, but he has, four, uh, he has four unusual friends. Or you could say four crazy friends. It's the way my pastor always told us. He says everybody needs four crazy friends that will believe God and do whatever it takes to get you in the presence of Jesus because the Bible says that, that Jesus is standing in a room and it's standing room only everybody wants to get around him everybody wants to experience him it's standing room only but you can't get in there's no way to get in and this man he's got palsy which is a, a debilitating disease it's not a good disease and he has this he's totally crippled but the Bible 
Bible says that these four men take this crippled guy. I mean, I ever carried somebody, carried dead weight before. I mean, it's tough to carry dead weight. So you can imagine each one of them's got a leg, each one of them's got an arm, and they're endeavoring to get this guy and get him into the presence of Jesus. In other words, he had been bitten. But he can't do it by himself. He needs help. Thank God for people in your life, whether it's at a shindig or whether it's at church or whether it's your aunt or whoever it is. You need some people in your life that know how to get in the presence of Jesus because there's an anti-venom, but you need somebody that can help you. So these four guys take this man and they climb onto the roof. Well, they're going really out of their way here to help this individual. And once they get to the roof, they start ripping a hole in the roof. Again, they're really going above and beyond the friend duty. Y'all know the friend duty. It's like people call you and like, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm sleeping. Yeah, I'm going to the lake. I'm not interested. You say, no, I really need you to carry me. Because I'm crippled and I need you to climb onto a stranger's roof. Yeah, we don't know him, just some guy. Yeah, and I need you to, we're going to rip a hole off of the guy's roof. We're going to, yeah, we got some axes and stuff. We're going we're gonna to remove his shingles and stuff. Yeah, he, he probably won't mind. We're going to rip a hole in this guy's roof here. And then we're going to, uh, I need you to lower me down. And, yeah, in a basket. I don't care how you do it. Tie a rope around my waist. Whatever. Whatever you feel like is going to work. I can't feel anything from the waist down. So whatever whatever you want to do. Tie a rope around my foot. I don't care. Just can you just please. I need you to carry me. Yeah, but it's about six miles. Yeah, just carry me that far. Yeah, put me on the roof. Yeah, again, yeah, we're going to do this. And then I want you to lower me down into the presence of Jesus. And this is exactly what these four guys do. They take the man with palsy. They bring him up on the roof. They rip a hole in the roof. And they put him down into the presence of Jesus. And I love this because the Bible says that Jesus, when he saw their faith, in other words, he didn't see the palsy man's faith, he saw them as a unit. The Bible says when he saw their faith, that those five people there joined together to deal with the venom that was going through this man's body. And when Jesus saw their faith, the Bible, of course, says that Jesus spoke to him. He got up and miraculously he was healed. But you need attention or you need help sometimes whenever you've been bitten or whenever, uh, whenever a life ha- has, has, has knocked you down. There's no shame in having people in your small group or shindig. Or, or however you have them and you say, listen, I need you to pray with me about this. I need help. The, the video that, that we showed, you know, just showed the guy with the thumb. But, but the other videos, some of them were, were way more grotesque where they had to really, uh, these people bitten in the arm, they had to really slice their arms open just to try and save their arm, that they're having to go to extreme measures, extreme uh, cases that they're, they're trying to help and save. And everything is not normal. The way that God sometimes will lead you to, to receive healing may not be traditional. And this goes into the last one. Last one I didn't get to. Uh, 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 number five is follow God's prescription. Or in other words, uh, the Bible says that Moses goes to the Lord and the Lord gives Moses a prescription and it's unusual prescription. 
a really strange prescription. How many of y'all find this to be unusual? I find his remedy here to be really strange. But sometimes whenever it comes to receiving from God, he'll have you do some strange things. He'll have you march around a wall and then shout. Who does that? That doesn't make any sense. Who gets out of a boat in the middle of a storm? Uh, who does that? And, and yet in the middle of adversity, God gives them this strange prescription. He says, Moses, I need you to make a bronze serpent. How long does that take? I don't know, but I guarantee you the people that were bitten were like, God, can we, can we speed this thing up? How long is a process of casting a bronze serpent? In other words, the prescription here was not an immediate fix. And sometimes we want an immediate fix for our problem. But there was a process that had to go through here that, 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 that had to uh, transpire for this to happen. And he says, I, I want you to make a bronze serpent. Now me thinking, I would think that that God would say, make a bronze lamb. Because whenever you gaze at the lamb of God, then you're going to be all better. And yet that's not what he does. He says, make a snake. And when you've been bitten by a snake, stare at the snake. And the snake is going to somehow keep the poison from affecting you. So I had to talk to the Lord. Have you ever talked to the Lord? I say, Lord, this don't make any sense. You got it wrong. That it should have been a lamb. That makes more sense. But no, the Bible says he led me to the scripture that says, for he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. What's that mean? That just means that there was a point whenever they lifted Jesus up on that cross and he tells his father, he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And the reason he says, why have you forsaken me is because Jesus had just then gone from being the son of God to where he actually became sin for us. He took on all the sins of humanity and all the sickness of humanity and all the diseases he took all of that on himself and at Christmas we celebrate him clothing himself with humanity but on this particular occasion he clothes himself with sin and with unrighteousness and God turns his back on his only son and he says why have you forsaken me and this is oh come on how many of y'all love Jesus how many of y'all glad he's willing to become the very thing that, 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 that are, we're all scared of and we don't like Jesus says I'll take all of that on myself and he says I want you to take the serpent put it on a pole and I want you to lift this pole up for the people so I made uh, I made a serpent some of you probably saw it. I shouldn't say that I didn't make it my wife uh, sh she made it so this was the this is what they did so they took now that's a real snake just kidding it's not real ah just kidding I tried to get a real snake, but he bit me like nine times. And I was like, forget it. I'll get a rubber one. <laughs> now, so can you imagine? This is just so bizarre to me because you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have now been bitten. And their skin, if you, if you oh man, I wish you could watch some of those. But it, there's an actual term for it. And it's liquefaction uh, file browser or something. And, and they actually, he says, he says that literally whenever a snake bites you, it dissolves the bone. 
that actually it turned that guy's bones to, to liquid. So you can imagine the pain, excruciating pain. And yet the prescription is, is I want you to take a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. It has to be a tall pole because it's got to be able to be viewed by three million people. And I want you to hold up that pole. That's the prescription. And then number six is, is if you've been by a snake, the, the remedy is, is he says, once that pole is up, whoever with an expecting, absorbing gaze will fix their eyes upon the serpent on the pole, that the venom in their body will be neutralized. Now listen, from a, from a, a talking standpoint, this seems pretty easy. Okay, just look at the serpent on the pole. No, but I can tell you, I've been around people that have been bitten terminally. And this is the real fight of faith. This is the real fight for healing. It's not that Jesus didn't purchase healing. It's not that he didn't become the serpent on the pole. He did all of that. But there's still, it's difficult for people that have been bitten by real pain, real circumstances, or, or real diseases for them to keep their eyes gazed on the serpent on the pole. You know, my dad, whenever he had, my dad had cancer and uh, we had to go to MD Anderson. And I don't know if you've ever been to MD Anderson, but MD Anderson, six out of the last eight years has been number one, not in the nation, but in the world. They're number one in the world for cancer research, development and treatment. And the, the first time I brought him over there, it totally freaked him out because he was, he doesn't, he, he, the, he had been bitten and it didn't, he felt like, oh, there's something going on in my body. But he didn't realize the severity of what was going on. He had cancer all the way up and down his spine, half a dozen organs. I mean, he was, he was ate up with it. And yet on the outside, he didn't look that bad. But so we bring him to MD Anderson and there's 17,000 patients over there. And all of them have, been, have got the same venom running through their body that you got running through yours. And it was very, very difficult for my dad not to look at the people. Why? Because they've all been bitten. They're all dying. And the person that we would sit in this room and there may be a hundred people in that room and they had these big, big cooler like things, but they weren't coolers. They would take hot blankets out and they would put them on these people. Some of the most pitiful people you would ever see in your life. They've been bitten. And, and, and my dad would look at those people and it was like they were prophesying his future. It's like, you look okay right now, but in about three months, you're gonna look like me. And my dad really struggled with, he wouldn't go back at that he said they had seared his mind with his future with his doom and yet you can imagine while this pole is up there's people that have been bitten just like you and it's hard for you not to look at the symptoms it's hard for you not to look at the other people who have been uh, affected with this but that's the fight that we have to fight is whenever whenever life or whatever has gone on has has bitten you you have to be able to lock in and have an absorbing expectant gaze upon Jesus and if you can do that you'll live if you can't do that if you can't hone into that's why many of you are in here and most of you, you know and myself included I'm not sick there's nothing wrong with me I think I'm pretty healthy things are going good but I don't know it's good to get some ammunition and today is really about ammunition so that whatever life hits you in the next 10 years or 20 years or hits your baby who's eight now but but may get hit by 
uh, addiction, when they're 17, whatever hits you, wherever you're at, whatever your station in life is, you have to learn how to not focus on the symptoms, not focus on the doctor's report, not focus on, uh, you know, uh, what the other, your other child's friends are doing. You have to be able to hone into what God said is possible. And sometimes it may come in, in weird, different ways. You know, our home church, I remember probably, and I have to close, but probably, man, I guess this was maybe 15 years ago, uh, Pastor Trina, she's been here, ministered here before, and I really want to have her back for healing. She collapsed on the stage while singing at our home church. And I'll never forget, I was in Mississippi with my mom, and I was probably only maybe 12 years old, but I remember my mom answering the phone, and then she gets that look on her face. I've seen my mom get that uh, several times. Uh, whenever my, my, my sister checked herself in rehab, I remember watching my mom on the phone, and her face, like all the blood went out of her face. I remember when Pastor Trina called my mom and all the blood went out of her face because uh, they took Pastor Trina and they said, listen, she, she collapsed on the stage. They said, you have an inoperable brain tumor. We can't operate on it. There's nothing that we can do about it. So uh, all the family comes in, Pastor Mark, everybody comes in. But there were some people that wanted to come. And Pastor Mark had to say, no, you're not welcome. You can't come. Because all they wanted to do was cry and wail. And, but, but his persuasion was, we're going to win. We're going to beat this. As long as we can keep our eyes on Jesus, then, this, then we'll make this thing work. Well, long story short, after like 10 days in the hospital, they go round and round. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do there's nothing we can do there's nothing we can do and, and they just stood their ground and finally they took her back in and they drilled six holes in her head and they said we can't find it it's gone the inoperable brain tumor it's not there anymore it's totally it's dissolved it doesn't exist anymore so they got pictures over with her shaved head and all that but but all of that came whenever the doctors are telling you this and whenever your family's crying and your friends are upset listen many times in the old testament jesus would go in and somebody was sick he would kick everybody out he said all you crying folks get your butt out of here because this is not an atmosphere that I can work so he would kick the family out he would kick mama out he would kick daddy out he would kick the aunts and the uncles everybody ah! Jesus would say get out get out and he would take Peter James and John that's his crazy friends he says now you you and you you come in we're going in and she's walking out Lazarus everybody's all ah, he stinks he stinks he's been dead four days shut up I'm trying to do something here he has to kick off all of these people out. Why? Because he knew I, I, I'm the serpent on the pole. I'm the one that took on all of this. I paid it all. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the one, the Lord that heals. The last verse, and then I'll close this morning. John three sixteen, a verse that we all know and love and can quote, and, and we find it to be you know, all, everywhere. Places that they don't even like Jesus, they'll bring this verse in. It's like... But I don't want to look at John 3.16. I want to look at John chapter 14. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. The last one was keep your eyes on Jesus. Can't look at your, your symptoms or can't look at, at, at what people may be telling you. No, the fight of faith is keeping an expecting, absorbing gaze on him. 
Many times people are bitten and they just take they want a casual glance like, okay, Jesus died, okay, he, he can heal me. No, no, no. If, if, you, if you have that persuasion, you may not make it. You have to, when your, your kids' lives are at stake or, or when uh, they've been bitten, you have to be able to hone in. Hezekiah, the Lord told Isaiah, he said, Isaiah, go tell Hezekiah he's going to die. But the Bible says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he wept bitterly. And he told, he told the Lord, he said, God, I've loved you. I've served you. I've honored you. And he wept bitterly. But the Bible says that the Lord told Isaiah, he says, go back and tell Hezekiah, I'm going to add 15 years to his life. Because, why, why did he do that? Hezekiah knew how to turn towards the wall. He knew how to, to, to get everything else out. I can't, I can't deal with all this other junk. Hezekiah knew how to. If you've ever seen them at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, they put that prayer shawl over their head and they just pray facing that wall. What are they doing? They're blocking out television. They're blocking out everything else. And they're saying, right now, God, you have my undivided attention. I'm looking to you. You're my only hope. You're my only, my only way out of this. You're my serpent on a pole. And whenever you can do that, the poison won't affect you. When you can do that, then you can live. Let's pray this morning.